We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, let's jump into the mailbag, and we have a, we have a few super chats, a lot a lot to discuss here, and, and I think Jordan Schreiber has overtaken John A one as the primary <laughs> question asker. So I think about half of the questions right now are from Jordan, so we'll get to plenty of those. But start off with a super chat from Rob Osgood. He says, "Hey guys, thank you, Rob, very much. Hey guys, just a comment. I love this twenty four class. You win some and you lose some, but I honestly believe Marcus Freeman will fight." And that's all I can ask for. Thanks. I mean, Ryan, I think this is a big thing because I said this in a conversation the other day, and I think I said this on a show last week. What frustrates me is that is that too many people seem to focus on the the couple areas that are negatives. And they are. I mean, if you lose Kingston, that's not a good thing. The safety class right. is better than people are giving it credit for, but not good enough, in my opinion, on the big picture. And And they focus on those things and completely ignore – that Notre Dame is literally Gearby Lambert committing away from having their best offensive class in probably over 20 years. Yep. I mean, literally, that's exactly what they're on the verge of. And you don't talk about it because of the obsession that people have with being negative. And my only pushback is to say, hey, look, I'm not saying don't talk about the things that got to get better. We need to talk about how Golden's got to get better. We got to talk about Chris O'Leary's got to get better. We got to talk about how Al Washington's got to get better. But let's not act like this is the same old, same old. There's some really exciting things happening with this this football program right now. And and if they're if they're able to close on a couple kids, right? I mean, you can't be two kids away, three kids away from having your best class in 20 years and things are bad. If they get Gearby Lambert, Justin Scott, and King Civilian Mesa, this is the best nerding class in over 20 years, in my opinion. And and I don't know that it's really arguable because there's no weakness on this board. If your weakness is a safety class with Bronte Johnson and Kennedy Erlacher, you're doing pretty flipping good. I mean, if that's your worst position in a class, does it get need to get better? Yeah, it does. It needs to get better. But I think that's the thing that people miss on, Ryan. This is a tremendous offensive class, and it's a Gearby Lambert pickup away from literally being a generational class for Notre Dame. Because to me, a generation is what, 10, 15, 20 years, right, at the most. Yeah. Without question, the best offensive class. When you look at quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, and offensive line, 
best offensive class they've had in, in, in at least 20 years. And the only one that can contend with it is the 2008 class. And the reason I give this group the edge over the 28, 2018 class primarily comes down to the depth at the position. So there's no Michael Floyd in this class, but to me, the next two are better than the next two in that class. You're not as good at tight end, but your offensive line class is better. In my opinion, your quarterback is more of a higher floor. doesn't have the ceiling of Dan Chris, but the floor is higher. It's a better running back class. So to me, the only one that can, can even contend with it is that 08 class that had Dan Chris, Jonas Gray, Mike, Michael Floyd, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Deion Walker, uh, Joseph Fourier, Trevor Robinson, Braxton Cave. I mean, that's what that class has. And this group has a chance to be as good, if not better than that, if they get Gearby Lambert. That's something to be excited about, Ryan. And it doesn't mean we ignore the other stuff. But if you're if you're spending more time focused on those things than you are how good this is, uh, you know, you got to rethink some things a little bit on this one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, and I think Rob, you Rob hit on a great point of the fight in Marcus Freeman as far as the the recruiting side of things. I really think Rob, I mean, especially because I mean, you think about two kids that we've talked about in the first segment here. We talk about Kingston Villiamo Asa, talk about Bradley Shaw, right? One's out of St. John Bosco, a school that Notre Dame has had almost no success in historically, like no success in St. John Bosco, especially recently. And you talk about a kid out of Hoover, Alabama, that you've put yourself in a decent position with, obviously. I think that that is a testament to doesn't care as far as like what the what the preconceived notion is of where a kid should go to school and, and where a kid should stay. And I think that also if they miss out on Justin Scott and Kingston this summer, I is there any doubt that Notre Dame is going to keep recruiting those kids and keep right. putting their best foot forward and keep – grinding out that i mean it better not caleb, Be- caleb yeah. beasley committed to tennessee a couple months ago now at this point it's like they're not stop recruiting that kid you know why because they're, they're going to put the effort in 
And are you going to win every battle? No. But I know that you're not going to win every battle because there's no effort talking about Marcus Freeman. I just know that that's not going to be a thing. So, yes, I think that Marcus Freeman is a grinder on the recruiting trail. I think he is a guy that is not going to back down from any fights. I don't think he's going to back off of Southern kids because they're assumed to be SEC leans. I don't think that that stuff is true. I don't think that he's going to stop going into the state of Texas because if Texas starts getting better, it's just like, oh, Texas is back. I can't get Texas kids anymore. No, that's not how that works, right? It's not how that works. So I do think I think do think Marcus Freeman at the core, at the top, is an absolute grinder as a recruiter. He's not going to back down from any of these fights, the key, and I think that's very important. The yes. key is going to be he's got to make sure he surrounds himself with coaches who are the exact same way. And that's – we've said it before, and we'll say it again. That's going to be what determines how good Marcus Freeman is as a coach right. is the accountability. And how do you fix it? Whether that's hiring new coaches or doing what it needs to take to make sure the ones that you have are start getting the job done, right? I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. We'll see if he's able to do that because that's that's going to be key. We have a super chat also from Tom Carter. Tom Connor says, "What are your thoughts on Dre Brown and his contribution to recruiting?" Ryan, I'll let you kind of speak to what you've heard from recruits, but yeah. everything I hear from people around the program is that he's very he's held in very high regard, which is why he's been at Notre Dame as long as he has because he's valued. He's a guy that they view as, you know, potential maybe guy that could get into coaching. He's a former Division One running back. But I know when I've talked to my sources around the program, you, you'll hear Dre's name come up quite a bit as a guy that that they believe is 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 an integral part of putting these classes together. Would I say that yeah. he has the same role as Chad Bowden? No, because he doesn't have the same job as Chad Bowden. But for what he's asked to do, I hear a lot of really good things about what he brings to the table for the program, and that's why they've kept him around and value him and make sure that they can do what they got to do to keep him here so far up to this point. Well, and I think that obviously we talk about Chad a lot because he's kind of the, the the symbol of the recruiting side of things. But there are some grinders on the recruiting side, you know, like uh, Caleb Davis is another guy that really does a tremendous job on the recruiting side. Dre is a guy that does a tremendous job. The biggest thing that I could say is that the word authentic has always been thrown around when when recruits have dealt with Dre Brown consistently. And, and he's a guy that they talk to a ton. Guys that they – really value obviously and a relationship guy and I know he brings a great energy to the table so this is probably a little bit of my fault right I I, I should mention the support staff on the recruiting side a little bit more than I do not just right. kind of just chat right like Caleb Davis and several others obviously on top of Dre they really put the work into and it's not a one-man operation obviously and 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 where and, and look that's not to take away from the job that Chad does Chad does a phenomenal job we've said this before you won't hear you won't hear the only name you'll hear as frequently as Marcus Freeman's with recruits is Chad Bowden but from talking to sources Chad also relies on those guys and here's where I I, I will say this there's some parts of what I what Dre does I'm not quite sure what he does but one thing that is sure you see him every year Ryan in the spring heavily involved with the next year's class yes so like you saw his name a lot with 25 kids back in March, february march april may now that they're transitioning the 25 class as a staff you'll then start hearing dre's name more and more and more with the 26 kids and it's important to have that because if you don't have some that can work ahead it's like we talked about with advanced scouting last week with the new guy that they hired from west Vir- well, we think they're going to hire from west virginia 
Ryan, yeah. you know this in scouting and coaching. If you don't have a really good advanced staff situation, mm-hmm. you're going to be in trouble. And it's the same thing in recruiting. If you have a guy that can go ahead and get an early start and help us get our man, really get our foot in the door and build that love and build that relationship. Then when we bring in the other coaches and in, in the position coaches and Chad and coach Freeman, you've already put us in great footing. If you have a guy like that in your back office, that's an incredible asset. And that is something that I do know for sure that we've seen Dre Brown involved in and, and it's, it's a huge plus. And it's partly why I think Notre Dame is in such a good, I mean, him and Chad Bowden are two big reasons why Notre Dame is in a pretty good position right now with the early 2025 class at this point. Okay. Well, and, and again, like talking about Caleb Davis is another guy back there, Brian. It's like, I remember, you remember when Brandon Hillman was was first offered by Notre Dame and everyone was like, who's Brandon Hillman? Where'd this guy come from? They just found him. And it's just like, no, I, I know for a fact that Caleb Davis had been talking to him for several weeks, probably months before that he was even offered. So some of those guys obviously don't get the notoriety. They don't get their name puffed out there as much. Dre included, obviously, in that situation. But these guys are vital and this staff is vital to putting in that groundwork early on to your point so i think that's a wonderful note is that a lot of these future kids that you're going to learn their names about very quickly here at some points staff's been working on them for weeks and months and it's been a long process obviously so chad is incredible what he does but again i'm sure that he would even give a lot of credit to the people around him because you're only as good as the people that you work with absolutely Another super chat from Lou Holtz, Thunder and Bolts. It's a great name. Uh, it says, on Justin Scott, is it true that Coach Elston is out working at Coach Washington? If, if so, what plausible explanation is there for this? Seems inexcusable if true. Lou, we're not going to address that on this show. If you're a member of the message board, read the message board. We discuss it there. But that's not really something that I'm going to get into in this show. But I did want to read it. And thank you for your super chat. But uh, that's just not the kind of thing that we're going to discuss in today's show. We, we get into that a little bit more on the message board. And, and, ho- and we may talk about it, obviously, in the deep future, but hopefully yes. not. Hopefully we're when it's like, all oh, said no. and done, we'll yeah, when it's all said and done, we'll have some conversations about that. But for right now, we're going to leave that on the on the message yeah. board. Here, here's one, a team question, Ryan, and this is from uh, Jordan Schreiber. Which sophomore linebacker do you believe gets the most snaps this year? Man, it, it's a tough call between, between Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Sneed for me. I think I'm going to go with Jalen just because I think that that athleticism is just so enticing, man. Like, I just really think that there's going to be some situations where you look at Jack Kaiser and you say, I could fit you inside and now get even more athletic at the rover position and get him on the field a little bit more. So I'm going to go with Jalen Sneed. But Nolan Ziegler is a guy where it's like, if you pick him, I'll be like, yep, I get that. That makes total yeah. sense. I hope both of them play a lot. <laughs> I, hope I think play. the reason I would probably lean towards Jalen right now is uh, twofold. Number one is I still don't have a lot. I'm going to have something coming out tomorrow about comments of what Coach Freeman said about playing younger guys. And and But I, I've been hearing this for a long, and this is no shot at Coach Freeman because I believe he means it. But I'm just in sort of a – I'm going to see it when I, I'm going to believe it when I see it kind of mode, but he's emphasized we need to play these younger players. And I've, and I've told my coaches, get it done. We're going to have a plan to get it done. I'll have that in an article tomorrow. I have the, the other part of the article. So it's part two came out today, Ryan, and it was basically him and I talking about why he thinks the defense in 2023 is going to make a big jump. But the reason I'm going to go with Jalen now is because I don't have a lot of faith that Al Golden is going to actually have the kind of rotation that you need to have inside to where Nolan's going to get, 
the the Greer Martini or Tavon Coney snaps when they were sort of that number three guy. So then right. it comes down to who has the who has the um, the uh, the the niche role. And I'll be shocked if Jalen Sneed's not on their third down nickel package. Shocked if he's not on yeah. that. And so that's where I'm going right now. My hope is that those guys are both rotation players. And if that's the case, if Nolan's sort of that next key reserve and they actually play the younger guys like they're supposed to, that's when I think Nolan Ziegler gets a lot more snaps as sort of that number so, three linebacker that can play both Mike and Will. So it's more about a lack of faith in, in coaches doing that than it is about the other aspect of it. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on that one, Brian. Brent Smith says, do you believe the majority of our three stars in the 24 class will earn a fourth star during their senior year? And if so, which players? So as of right now, I mean, Brent, it's tough, right? Because I, I guess I'm, I'm my mind's more going to like the consensus three stars, right? That guys are considered it like, you know, when we average it out of, of all the different platforms. Because, I mean, there's even a couple platforms that have like, I think there's one that has Isaiah Canyon is still as a three star, but the majority have four stars. Yeah. And there's yeah, a on th- of those. it's kind of absurd. On three yeah. has Isaiah Canyon as a top 100 player, right? Yes. So for all the people that think on three has a Notre Dame bias, I don't think they have a Notre Dame bias. I just think they have some some jacked up rankings. Yeah. Uh, they have him as the number 95 player in the country. Rivals has him as a 5.6 three star, which means he's not yes. even the highest category of three stars. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, and and 247 Sports thinks he's the 47th best player in the state of Georgia. So, it, yeah. look, Ryan, here's the deal. Uh, I don't care about the stars. I care about what we yeah. rank. And what we yeah. rank, the two guys that I think have the best shot at getting up to, to four-star players as seniors, for me, because I have, I believe, four mm-hmm. – of the 11 commits are either three and a half or three star players is, is where I'm at for the, for the Notre Dame defensive class. And that would be actually it's, it's uh it's uh six of them, excuse me. And so I have, I have Bryce young as a four, three and a half star. I fully expect him to jump into that four star range. Yes. Now keep in mind, part of that is because we remove the upside grade. If the upside grade was included, some of these guys would be four stars. So if I was doing a ranking like Rivals does or two, four, seven, or on three, I would include the upside grade and he'd be a four star. But for the way we do it, he's a three and a half star right now. I just need to see a little bit more production and improved technique. And I need to see him show the same athleticism with the bigger body. That's really what my holdup is right now. But the tools are are impressive. I fully expect him to, to make that jump. I fully expect Kennedy Erlacher to make that jump. I actually had Kennedy as a four-star early, but when I tweaked my grading system, he fell right below it. So that's why he dropped to a three and a half. Not that I've seen new film that he wasn't as impressive. I just tweaked my grading system, and he was one of the guys that just fell a touch below. Teddy Rezac's a touch below. I, I just need to see that Teddy can add a little bit more weight this season and, and play, but he's a heck of a football player. Uh, yeah. So so those are guys right now, Ryan. I, I, I would need to see a ton of, from Tabron, Benny Powell, and Sean Savoliano, for me, for them to be four stars. The guy that I'm most curious about this year, Ryan, and I'm going to kick – this is the one I want to kick to you. Carson Hobbs is a consensus three-star recruit. He's one of those guys that some of the people that I talk to at Notre Dame will bring him up. Others, we just – we talk about other things. But there are some at Notre Dame, they're like – they're just sold on this kid, right? And so – I'm very curious to see. I know he's had some really good track times this spring, yeah. and I'm really curious to see how he does as a senior because that was one of my biggest things, Ryan, is I just didn't see a lot of speed and 
you know, the fluidity you want. He's a really good high school football player, you know, for, for that high school, but I just don't see the elite tools. He's one that I'm very curious about. Cause if I were to say now, I'd, I'd say he's a ways away from being a four star on my grading scale, but there's some things you like that if the athleticism takes a tick up, you could see him making that climb. What are your thoughts on, on all of those, Ryan, especially the one on Carson? Well, Car- Carson was actually what I was going to bring up anyway, as far as one of the couple consensus three-star guys that maybe could make that big jump. Cause I, Again, you mentioned it already. The biggest thing for me is that he was a part of the top four by 100 relay team in the state of Ohio, a a pretty good state for for producing some athletes. So I think Carson has a chance to take a huge step because the one the one thing that I know is that technically I think he's going to be pretty good. Right. Because he, he already is pretty good. And I think he has a good feel for the game. If his game matures from an athleticism perspective, I think he has a chance to make a major rise. I agree with you there. And I think that he is a confident kid and I love confident corners that those are guys that usually end up being very good. And it's not a false confidence either, Ryan, because it's not braggadocious. It's not like the guys that are like me, 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 me. I, I view them sometimes as like that's a, there's a lot of you're like convincing yourself that you're good. Right. That's with Con, with Carson sometimes Ryan you can just get a sense of how confident he is without him out even speaking. It's just the way he carries right. himself. Yes. And to me that's really like that's a genuine thing. He really like Jaden Mickey's that way. Yeah. You know, he, he Jaden's just just Jaden's just that way. I mean that that's why he's been able to be so strong during the situation where you know his mother's battling cancer. Because that's just that's just the, the young man they raised. They re- raised him to be, you know, intelligent and confident and, and and those type of things. And he was raised in a way where he's had to grow up fast. And so it's a genuine thing. So when he gets burned, his confidence doesn't sink because it's not of emotion. It's just who he is. And that's the like the the, the what De- Deion Sanders. I know he drives some people nuts, and I get it. Trust me, there's some things. But that that's who he is. That's not an act, folks. That's who Deion is, right? Like he's being his genuine self. And I know that we don't like it, but but Love it's it probably why he was such a great player who was also able to play two sports at the professional yes. level, right? And and Carson just has just a natural confidence about himself, but he does it in a way where it's not it's not. It doesn't rub you the wrong way like it does with the way Dion was as a player or some other guys like that. It's just like a this is just a really friendly, happy kid that's really confident in himself. And so I'm very curious to see what he does. What was season. any was anybody shocked, Brian, that him and Jade Mickey absolutely hit it off on his official visit weekend? Was there any shock no. that's like, well, of course it does and no. Jade Mickey get along? No. <laughs> You know what's funny? It was either going to be one or the other. They were either going to love each other or hate each other because they're they're, they're so similar. (laughs) But Carson strikes me as the kind of kid that'd be hard to hate, to be honest with you. And I'm not just saying that because he does Carson's Corner. I mean, part of the reason he does Carson's Corner is because of that engaging personality. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, he's a very good kid. Another another kid that I think is going to take a rise potentially, Brian, is Bodie Cahoon as far as kids that are considered consensus three stars by these rankings. Well, is he a consensus three star? I'm pretty sure he still is. Yeah, because I know that I know that rivals has him as a four star. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. They've had him as a four star for a while. Um, Yeah. They're the only ones. Everybody else has him a three has him as a three star. So he is on the consensus list. A three star. Yeah. Right. So the the composite at two, four, seven and the consensus at on three both have him as a three star. But if you so if you mean that consensus, you are correct. But if yeah. you mean consensus isn't like everyone has him as a three star, rivals has him as a four star. Yeah, but it doesn't change the averaging the out. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think that him, I mean, one, 6'2, 220, going to be 220 plus pounds probably this season, 454 in the 40 electric times. Obviously, he's a very talented athlete. And I think that the greatest note I ever got on him is that he's only been playing linebacker for half a season out of necessity. He was a safety, obviously. So I think a full year of playing safe, of playing linebacker, a full offseason of playing linebacker. Him growing into his body, it wasn't too long ago that he was a 5'11", 185-pound kid, and now he's 6'2", 220. And now that I think also, Brian, that, that he has his focus on playing football the next level, there's obviously going to be an attention to detail that comes with that, right? There's going to be an right. urge to want to be even better in that avenue. So I think he's a kid that is growing into his body. He's growing into a position that is still very foreign to him. I think that he takes a big step as a senior and he breaks out. Yeah. Now, some there are some other guys that that other people have as three stars that I don't. So, but again, I, Ryan, I care less and less and less every day about what other people rank recruits. I do, and and I know that you all care. Some of you obsess over. I get it. Yeah. yeah. But I would encourage you to at least look at our rankings before you ask us questions and see where we have a guy, and that'll kind of answer your question. So, if the industry is because part of the thing is, Ryan, I just don't think the industry is what it was when I got into it, to be honest with you, which is there was a genuine, I want to get it right. Even when they're wrong, I want to get it right. So when we miss, it comes from a place of, I just missed. I I didn't have any bias like towards the kid or there wasn't anything about clickbait or, you know, I mean, look, if if it was that way, we'd have Carson Hobbs ranked as the number two kid in the class. You know what I mean? Uh, So I just think there's less of that. It's become more about clickbait and, and, and driving eyes and things like that. So what, mo- for example, Ryan, what's the motivation to move Cole Mullins up the rankings right now? Nothing now. Nothing now. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I, but I'll say this till, till the day I die. There is no, like sometimes Ryan, you can look at a kid and say, I get why people don't like Bodie Cahoon. I have him as a four star. I do. I get why people don't. I've never been, I've never said, man, these guys are nuts for having Bodie as a three star. I get it. I get it. I, I've seen other players like that. I don't know how in the world that people can look at Bo, at Cole Mullins and say three star. I just don't get it. So that's one that I just, I will never understand ever. Uh, size, athleticism, production plays in a big time area. There's, there, there's just, there's nothing. So what, what, what are they going to wake up to this year? That's my whole point. So, so if they didn't think he was good the last two years while playing middle linebacker at 6'4", 240 pounds for one of the best high schools in the South, what's their, what's going to make them change their mind? And some only, of you care about that. If, I don't. Only if some SEC schools start try to flip him, like if George much. throws a hat into the ring Pretty or much. something like that. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that's what happened with Isaiah Canyon. I mean, all of a sudden Georgia, you know, starts talking to him and Florida State offers, and all of a sudden he, out of nowhere, he's a right. he's top the, hundred player. Film didn't change, right? right. Exactly. exactly. Film didn't change on Canyon. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't it funny, Brian? You remember when uh, when Notre Dame was starting to to recruit Isaiah Canyon, and he was a very low ranked recruit, and he didn't have a ton of offers yet, and everyone was so upset about it, and then they mm-hmm. land him, and his ranking starts going up, and you're and now everyone doesn't say a word about Isaiah Canyon anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, just kind of funny. We had him ranked very high all along, so uh, we yeah. we've been high on that young man for a very long time. But uh, that that would be my that would be my thoughts it, on def on offense. I I think the only guy that I have ranked as a non four star on offense, Ryan, I believe is Anthony Knapp. 
Anthony Knapp. Yeah. I, be- yeah. I believe I have all the other, I'm going to pull up my rankings for the offensive class right now. Actually, just give me a second. Yeah. I think that would have to be correct. Yeah. I, I believe he's the only one that I don't have as a, as a four star right now. Do you have, do you have Prescott as a four star? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think so then. I have styles as a top two fifty kid on my board. So I, I actually like styles, even not just the upside. Yeah. I have Jack Larson as a four star as well. Peter Jones, definitely Aeneas, definitely styles top two fifty. Jack Larson, top two fifty. Yeah. And then Anthony Knapp is a three and a half star for me, which puts him just outside of that four star range. Uh, he's got a shot to jump into a four star range. Uh, I just Possible. need to see. There's some things I need to see from him, but uh, yeah, he's definitely got a shot. I would say he's got a shot than sort of the bottom three guys on the defensive side for sure. Yeah. I I hope Anthony's able to put on a little bit of weight this off season. I would like to see him play more in like the two seventy five ish range this year. And can he move 65? Right. Right. And can he move with that added weight? Definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing. Absolutely. All right, Ryan, let's, we have a question here from, uh, let's see, Jordan Schreiber. Um, here I'll ask this one real quick. Did you talk to Mark Stream about preparing the freshmen, all the players, and not just focusing on starters? As I mentioned earlier, Jordan, I did, and I'll have that article tomorrow. Uh, Jordan also asked, You are head coach of a team in the 80s. You can have Warren Moon or Jim Kelly as your franchise quarterback. Who do you choose and why? I mean, Oof. there's not a there's not a wrong answer to that, Jordan. I mean, really, yeah. uh, I'd probably go with Warren Moon, but that's just sort of a personal preference for me. I just always liked Warren Moon better as a player than Jim Kelly. Yeah, Maybe yeah. just because I hated the Bills. I mean, so that's <laughs> that's probably more of a personal preference as opposed to an analysis. I, Ryan, I think they're incredibly similar players. I mean, they ran the same offense. Yeah. Yeah. They both deep put ball up throwers. Yeah. Deep ball <laughs> yeah. throwers. They both threw yeah. a lot of interceptions uh, because that was just the nature of the game back then. So that's not to be unexpected. Uh, both threw for a ton of yards and both had a lot of success. Warren Moon actually was the more productive player when you look at almost, I mean, Warren Moon had four seasons with over 4,000 yards. Jim Kelly never had any. And he but Warren Moon large... also never played with what's that? I was going to say, Warren Moon missed a large portion of his beginning of his career, obviously, of having Correct. to play up in the CFL. Exactly. So. And Warren Moon, I mean, they had like Lorenzo White for a little bit, but they he never had Thurman Thomas to to take some of that balance off him either. Yeah. So and he, and he had pretty good wide receivers, but nobody was as good as Andre Reed or James right. Paul. Yeah, Hayward Jeffries was well. good. Yeah. Ernest Givens, uh, yeah, Webster Slaughter. After he left, the Browns came over there. Who was there? Was another guy they had. Uh, Chris something. I'm trying to remember what the heck his name was. They drew they drew Hill too, didn't they? Wasn't yes. I they I think they did. Who where let me yeah. let me find this real quick. Who the yeah. receiver was. I, I I'm gonna it's gonna Curtis Duncan is who it was. That's who Curtis it was. Duncan. Curtis Duncan. Yeah. So like you look at some of those teams, he had good receivers. There's no doubt about it. Now, did he have Andre yeah. Reed? Uh, no, or, or James Lofton. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And, and and Thurman Thomas was also a great a uh, great pass game weapon out of the yeah. backfield also. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, neither of them had elite tight ends, but I thought Pete Metzlars was a pretty good player. I, yeah. I did. I thought he was a pretty good player. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with um, with Warren Moon. But here's, here's the reality, Jordan. If you end up with – let's say you get the number two pick in the draft and 
Ryan has the number one pick and you both need quarterbacks and the top two quarterbacks in the draft are Warren Moon and Jim Kelly, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. It's not, it's not like your pick. It's like your it's like you're like you're picking between Patrick Mahomes and Daniel Jones or something. Like it's, it's pretty close. Exactly. Close. Exactly. Exactly. You're good. You're good. Oh my goodness. Uh, here's I throw a, a lot of shade at Daniel Jones now that I think about it. I know. It's well, you know, it's, it's the contract, crazy. man. Like it, I I said this all the time, Ryan. The perception of who of how you're evaluated is has a lot to do with where you're drafted and what you're paid, and and it's 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 somewhat too rightfully so. I've said this about Dak about uh, Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott was a top five overall pick, I think people would be more critical of him. Yeah. If Daniel Jones was a fourth round pick, I think people would be less well, critical of him until the contract came, of course. You know, it's funny, Brian. I I remember when Daniel Jones was coming out of Duke. I had like a mid-second round grade on him. I liked him a decent amount. I was like, he's a good player, man. But then he goes eighth overall, and I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. Can't get there, man. Can't get there. And he just hasn't done anything to say, okay, you were wrong on that. I mean, that's the thing is like – you you just look at the production. Now, I know the offense this year was good, but that I would say that wasn't because he, he was a game manager. You don't get yeah. play a game manager. You don't pay a game manager forty million dollars. You know what I mean? Like his best year from a production standpoint was his rookie year. I mean, he had twenty four touchdown passes as a rookie. So uh, you know, I just it, it's strange. I mean, a guy two years ago in twenty one had ten touchdowns and seven picks, and the year before that in twenty twenty had eleven touchdowns and ten picks, and he just got paid forty million dollars. Uh, you know, in one of those years, he's going to make over 50. I just, yes. it's just one of the many reasons I just can't stand the NFL. There's, there's uh, mediocrity gets rewarded so much greater in the NFL. It's partly, it's part of the reason I don't like the NBA either. Is like, if you're just a veteran, you're going to get paid a lot of money, even if you are just a mediocre player. And, and yeah. like you see at certain positions, Ryan, you see mediocrity get rewarded with lucrative contracts. But the rest, best running backs in the league, the best safeties in the league, the best linebackers in the league, inside off-ball linebackers in the league, can't even sniff those contracts. And I'm like, there are 20 players in the Giants better than Daniel Jones, and none of them will ever come close to making that kind of money. You know, and it's just like, I just, man, I just, it That's takes fun. some of the there fun was, out of watching the game, to be honest with you. There, there is an NBA player who just signed a three-year two million dollar contract yesterday and i had never heard of the guy and he apparently averaged like seven points and five rebounds last year i'm like oh he gets 14 million a year for that nice <laughs> good for him man. it really is nuts. <laughs> all right let's get to some more questions here but yeah warren moon versus jim kelly it's a win-win situation it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brandon Plensner asks, why is Al Washington able to connect with elite D-line? 
I mean, I would say uh, that this has been an issue at Notre Dame for a long time, Ryan. I, I think I don't, I don't want to yeah. get too much into this. We'll discuss this more after the fact. But at the, it, it comes down to, um, to, to you got to have a better strategy. I'll just leave it at that, Ryan. Right? Because some of this we can't really disclose. You have to have a better strategy. You have to work smarter. Yeah. And it's not and always about also, working hard. Work smart. I would also, pu- I would also push back a little bit on it too, Brian, to say like. Unable to connect. I think you can connect with guys. I just don't think it's consistent all the time. And we'll just leave well it with that, elite right? like D line. Yeah, that's kind of what changed my views. The because like my thing is like who would be the elite D lineman? Like, but the the question to your point though is, you've said this before. He actually connected pretty well with Elijah Rushing. It, yeah, Rushing. Uh, Elijah Rushing is not right. He's not not coming to Notre Dame because of anything out Washington did. It's it's other right. factors that are going into yes. that, right? I, I think it just came down to which coaches he has the best relationship with. Notre Dame would have a pretty good shot at landing him. So, look, Agreed. again, that's why I say it's 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 a work smarter and have a better plan with certain kids. I mean, it just goes back yeah. to not offering him right away, not getting on Justin Scott right. I mean, there's just a lot of things where you're like, you messed. But you know what he did do? He got on Elijah Rushing day one, made him a priority day one, and built a great relationship with him. So, I don't. I don't think that he has this issue with we're, we're connecting with elite defensive linemen. I think he is. I think Al Washington needs to do a, a. A he needs to recruit smarter and be more consistent. Like Ryan, you, you, and you. We were talking about this today. There are some big time recruits in the twenty five class that we've talked to. Bryce yep. Davis being one. Al Washington and Chad Bowden and those guys have done a great job with him. He's a five star kid that wants to visit Notre Dame. Yes. Then we'll talk to another highly ranked kid, and you're like, he hardly ever hears from him. We're like that's what's that's what separates the the the, the really good recruiters from others is you've got to you've got to have a more efficient plan to where you're doing a great job with these four, but you're doing a terrible job with these six. You better flip and hope you land some of those top four because you're not going to be able to go over here because you didn't do a good enough job building that relationship. It's not working efficiently, not working smart, and not having a good plan. And it's very clear that some of the stuff is just flying by the seat of your pants with defensive line recruiting. And that's like, you, he won't, you, he kid, he won't talk to a kid for a month and a half and then boom, he's talking to the kid every day. And you're like, like where, where you didn't need to do that. You should have just been a little bit more consistent throughout the process. And it changes from kid to kid. That's the thing is you can't say, well, he's just not doing this. Or he's not doing that. Oh, he's lazy. Well, if you looked at how he's recruited Elijah rushing, you wouldn't think that he's lazy. If you looked yeah. at how he recruited freaking Marquise Lightfoot, you wouldn't think that he's lazy, even though nobody else in the coaching staff thought as highly of Marquise Lightfoot early on, right? I mean, and, until they said, hey, we're not taking him, and then then he stopped recruiting him. But it, depending on who you talk to, it, it's a different story, and that's the problem right there, Ryan. Is That that right there is the issue because the story with the cornerbacks, with Mike Mickens, is the same every kid you talk to. Chancey Stuck in receivers, it's the same with every kid you talk to. Dylan McCall in running backs is the same with every kid you talk to, right? Uzmain Chroma, one of the best running backs in the 25 class, likes their name a lot. Why? Dylan McCullough. Justin Thurman, yeah. one of the most yeah. explosive athletes in the 25 class, loves their name. Why? Dylan McCullough. The consistency is there. The, the, the plan is there. It's smart. It's working efficiently, working smarter. And the reality is, is that you're just not getting that from Al Golden and Al Washington and Crystal Leary. It's not, you know, and, and so um, it's different for every coach, but – I don't, you know, I think this, the elite thing is more of a Justin Scott problem 
than it is with him not connecting with elite players for some reason. I, I think there's it's a it's a different like I never heard a Keon Keeley say a bad thing about Al Washington. I don't think Keon Keeley decided to go to Alabama because he didn't like Al Washington or didn't connect with Al Washington. It was other factors. So I think the premise is like there's criticism to be levied at Al Washington, no doubt. But I don't think that I would say, Ryan, to your point, that it's an issue of being unable to connect with elite D linemen in and of itself. Right. Because we could right. point to kids that that wasn't the case. Yeah, I think it's a process thing. I mean, to your, to your point too. I mean, not to go down the rabbit hole, Brian, but I mean, Al Golden's a similar one, right? Like I just talked to a 2025 kid who I think's a very good football player and highly rated. It's like he's putting in crazy effort on that one. I'm just right. like, why isn't that across the right? I the just don't understand exactly. why it isn't across the board. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's get down to M Holcomb 07. He says, if Notre Dame lands Kingston Viliama Asa, Justin Scott, Gearby Lambert, Bradley Shaw, and Caleb Beasley, will that be a top three class nationally? It will for me, and that's the only ranking yeah. that I care about. Yeah. If you're asking M Holcomb, if you're if you're asking about like the two four seven rankings and all that stuff, it would be close. I've done the math on some of these, and I think that one would be higher points wise on like two four seven than last year was right so it would be in the it also ballpark, depends on, but it also depends on who you're talking to ryan if if this, yeah. if we're talking about rivals it's a top four class actually i've done the numbers on this and yeah. if they get if they get that class they'll be third or fourth if you go back the last five years they'd be no lower than fourth if you look at two four seven sports it's much lower because two four seven sports is much lower on notre dame's class for the most part than rivals now not every kid but 247 Sports has almost like a third of the class as three stars. And I don't, I just don't see it that way. Like they have Isaiah Canyon as a three star. They have Bodie Cahoon as a three star. They have, I mean, there's several guys on the, on the Notre Dame class. Actually, let me, let me pull it up right now because I actually have um, that, that ranking. So if you look at 247 Sports, they rank Isaiah Canyon, Anthony Knapp, Styles Prescott, uh, Cole Mullins. Uh, and yeah, th- those are all guys that they have ranked as three-star players. I was, I was incorrect actually. Uh, that's rivals. Excuse me. This is two, four, seven. They have Isaiah Canyon as a three-star Jack Larson, Peter Jones, Anthony Knapp, Styles Prescott, Cole Mullins, Bryce Young, uh, Bodie Cahoon, uh, and Leonard Moore as three-star players. <laughs> like I look at some of that and I say, I just don't know how you can come to that conclusion. I I don't look, you can say, Hey, I don't, I don't like Jack Larson. And and I could even, I could buy you having him as a three-star. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. How you can watch Peter Jones play and say three-star is beyond me. How you can look at Cole Mullins and Leonard Moore, Ryan, and say three-star players is beyond me. Bodie Cahoon, I can understand. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Styles Prescott, like it doesn't make any sense. So they're just not going to Isaiah Canyon, Isaiah Canyon, Seriously, three-star player. So it just doesn't make any sense for me. And they also don't have Keedron Young in the top two forty-seven. They don't have Aeneas Williams out of the top in the top two forty-seven. Um, so there's just to me, there's just a lot of bad rankings with two forty-seven. They have gotten. I've said this before. They've gotten progressively worse since Spartan Simmons left. And this, it, it, this is so far this year. And it's not just Notre Dame kids. There's some other kids that I've seen ranked low where I'm like, I have no clue what they're looking at. I, it's just, it's bizarre. But Letter it is Moore what it was is. Also, a super. Letter War was also a, always a super confusing one to me. I remember when Notre Dame obviously made a big push for him. It was like 
no one had him ranked as a four star. It was mm-hmm. like a three star, and then finally, what was is it on three that has him at like one fifty one or whatever it is Rivals. now or something like that? They dropped Rivals him down to one ninety six in the most recent most recent update, but they still have him as a top two hundred player. Sure, but yeah, sure. well, yeah. they're the only one. Just like, four yeah, I'm just like so six two corner, long, good film, and he's from where he's from in Texas. Yeah. I'm just like, what, man? Like, what are we doing here? Yep. He's playing against some of the best competition in the country. And he's holding it down. I just, I, I never got the Leonard Moore one, man. That was so weird to me. Yep. Yeah. I, there, so, so, so to answer your question, depending on who you talk to, it's just going to depend on who you talk to on threes ranking. is just so ridiculous. I ain't worth talking about, but if they get just the first four of those guys, it's a surefire top five class for me. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it, but um, yeah, that's a special it's, class, it's, man. Potentially, yeah, it absolutely is. If if you get Justin Scott at, on top of CJ Carr and Cam Williams, and you throw in Caleb Beasley, Kingston, and Bradley Shaw, it's like that's a dang good class, man. That's yeah. really, really good, and that alleviates a yeah. lot of the issues too, Brian. Because like if because right now a couple of the spots that obviously have question marks are. If linebacker is no longer a question mark, if you have Kingston and Bradley Shaw on it, like no question marks there at all. You have those two players and you have two high upside guys and Teddy Rezac and Bodie Cahoon. I'm like, cool. That's great. Safety recruiting might still be a question mark, but if I have Caleb, now I'm like, huh, there might be some opportunities to move some corners at some point to safety. Right. That's going to strengthen that class. And then if you get Justin Scott, that's a home run defensive line haul in 2024. So mm-hmm. some questions could be very alleviated if you land that class. So we shall see. Let's get down to – here's an interesting one, Ryan. This is from Zay. He says, if Sam Hartman started his career at Notre Dame, is he as good as he is now? Is he as good as he is? I, yes, but I think that the question probably is coming from a production perspective, right? And so the production – the answer to the production, might he might not have the 110 career touchdown passes and some of those other things, right? But is he as good as he is? Yeah, why wouldn't he be? Like, I, I think that it's it's all about the development for a guy like uh, Sam Hartman, and he'd be surrounded by a lot of talent that may have been underutilized at points. But I just think the question, honestly, Brian, for me, I, I think that it's coming from a production basis. So if you're asking no, me what he is, no he is productive, the answer would be no for me. Yes. Yeah, because he'd, he'd, he'd only be going into his third year as a starter. I mean, he wouldn't have started over Ian Book. Not that he shouldn't have, but he wouldn't have. There's a difference at Notre Dame. So he most likely they don't go get Jack Cohn in 21. And that would have been his first year as a starter. You know, Jack Cohn threw for over 3000 yards that year. I would have fully anticipated he, that, that uh, Sam would have done the same thing. This past season would have been year two. I think we would have seen a a much bigger jump in production, but you know, he threw for average 4,000 yards the last two years, just Notre Dame's offense just wasn't designed for that. Ryan, they, you know, it's maybe 33 to 3,500, you know, 28 to 32 touchdowns is probably where you'd have seen in past years. So the production and the perception would, would be a little different. I will say this, however, here's the crazy part, Ryan. If he would have only been a two-star, a two-year starter at Notre Dame, his perception amongst mo- a lot of analysts would be much better because of the bias about he'd have done it at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame would have been a much better team last year, if we're being honest about that. So – it, it's just the way that it is. I mean, if he would have put up anywhere close to the numbers he put up at, at Notre Dame, he would he would have been he'd be a Heisman favorite. Yeah. If he let me rephrase, if he would have put up the numbers at Notre Dame in the last two years that he put up a wake, he'd be a Heisman favorite going into the season. 
but he did it at wake. So, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, Here, here's an instrument. How do you lose four straight Super Bowls? A, uh, you have to be really good to lose four straight Super yes. Bowls. Do you know why? Because you, you have there. to get to four straight Super Bowls, right? I mean, that yeah. you have to be yeah. a great team to lose the four straight Super Bowls. Number two, you have a little bit of bad luck. And number three, you run into a dynasty. I mean, two of those lost yeah. Super Bowls were the Cowboys, who were a dynasty yeah. at the time, in my opinion. And they just they just caught better teams. I mean, that Redskins team and was it ninety one or ninety two? That was a phenomenal team. I mean, the the only one that you look back on and say you, you their first one, Ryan, their first yeah. one was their missed opportunity. Scott and Norwood. and that's the one, yeah, the Scott Norwood miss. That that was yeah. the one that you look at and say that's the one you should have had. That's the one yes. you should have had. But. That Redskins team that beat him in in ninety one, the Redskins went fourteen and two that year. And when in look at the and one of their losses was the last game of the regular season. And if I remember correctly, because my dad was a fan of the Redskins, their last loss of the regular season was because they basically had, they were fourteen and one had clinched home field and they didn't play a lot of guys. <laughs> you know they lost to the Eagles, and then they go to the postseason. They beat a really good Falcons team. If you remember that Falcons team back then with Dion and Andre Risen and all those teams, and uh, they beat them 24 to seven. They played the Lions, who were the, I believe, the two seed that year. They played them. The Lions that year beat the Cowboys 38 to six in the playoffs, and the Redskins beat them 41 to 10 in the NFC Championship game. So they just played a better team. I mean, it's as simple as that. And so, uh, I think some of it was just bad luck outside of that first yeah. year. But here's the other thing: that's that. This is going to sound biased, and it, I guess, it is. But that '91 team that lost to the Redskins shouldn't even been in the Super Bowl. If John Elway doesn't get knocked out of the first half of that playoff game against uh, the AFC Championship game, they was like ten to seven, and Elway got knocked out, and the Bills just ran the clock out in the second half because Gary Kubiak wasn't going to beat him. But if John Elway plays, I think they win that game. But but you know what else would have happened in that Super Bowl? The Redskins would have beat the Broncos again because that was a great Redskins team. I mean, that was just a, a great so, Redskins team. So, sad so, luck. so crazy that Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks. Still pretty yes. crazy stat, man. And, and, <laughs> in a very and only, short amount of time. <laughs> only one of them was a, even a Hall of Fame caliber player. Yeah. And that was Joe Theismann. I mean, he won a Super Bowl yeah. with Mark Rippon. And Doug Williams, Doug Williams didn't even start most of that year. Jay Schrader started the season as a starting quarterback yeah. for the Redskins that year. So, uh, yeah, he was a phenomenal coach. Because, you know, the one thing that they always had, Ryan, always had great offensive lines and great defensive lines. lines. And defensive yeah. lines. Their defensive line was very underrated. Charles Mann and uh, Dexter Manley. Dexter they, Manley. Always had, oh, they always had really good, really. And, of course, but, they had the fastest cornerback I've ever seen in my life in Daryl Green. Daryl Green, was, yeah. He was unreal. Dexter Manley was a cra- pretty crazy story about him being illiterate and everything yes. and getting kind of pushed through. Yes. Had drug problems. And, and you know, it's from last I've heard, it sounds like he's he's doing well, you know. So, but, man, he was talented, boy. He was really talented. He was yeah. really talented. But, yeah, I mean, look, they just played better teams, right? And it's like, you know, people say, oh, you know, Elway couldn't win the bit. I'm like, name me one team that the Broncos lost in the Super Bowl with Elway that you're like, they should have beat that team. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, come on. There's no way. And same thing with the Bills. It's, it's That's what's kind of sad about how people look at 
you know, oh, choke artists. Well, they didn't choke in the first round of the playoffs or the second round of the playoffs or the championship league championships. But yeah, they're choke artists because they got beat by phenomenal teams in the Super Bowl. Like that's a heck of an accomplishment that people don't celebrate enough to get to the the NF to the Super Bowl single elimination tournament. Right, four straight years is quite an accomplishment. It really is. Yeah, it really is. So yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get down to some more here, Ryan. That was a good question from Zay, though, about uh, about Sam Hartman. That's been kind of sticking in my mind a little bit. Yeah. Drew Benson said, would you guys share any names for a potential DB for 24 if Davis Andrew goes elsewhere? I, I don't think right now, other than Caleb Beasley, there's anyone really on the board right now, Ryan. I think they'll be open to yeah. a safety maybe emerging during the season, but there's nobody really on the yeah. board right now. Besides, him. this is a question asked Drew in the evaluation period through the first yeah. few weeks of the 2023 season, whenever it kicks yep. off. You know, similar to how we kind of had heard of Brandon Hillman a little bit there into like October. Like, that's kind of the period because if Notre Dame doesn't have that safety and they want to push to four safeties in the class, then that's when you're going to start evaluating things and trying to find that type of player to, to this question. Yep. Archer452 asks, every school utilizes two of the same pitches. Local kids stay home, be a hometown hero. Distance kids blaze your own trail. How do you use those without sounding hypocritical? I don't think you do that. I, I like well, I can only talk about Notre Dame. I, I think it's about reading the kid, honestly. It's it's about what's the pitch that's going to work for him. And right. how you do that without sounding hypocritical is, is do you do exactly that? It's like it's it every kid's different, right? And Notre Dame doesn't do the whole stay home, be a hometown hero thing. Like they, be, they do it. Their pitch. Be, be difference, right? Be difference. Be, yeah. you know, start, you know, bring back even in-state like kids. Yeah. 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 Even exactly. in-state kids. It's like not a lot of Indiana kids go to Notre Dame. I mean, that it's right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's be it's, exactly. It's the same. It's kind of a consistent pitch. Honestly, it's right. selling the uniqueness of it. They don't sell the local aspect because they just can't sell that. If anything, they do. It's you know, if you're going to talk about like stay consistent, it's it's the Catholic school thing, which is a whole different animal. Right. Uh, Four when, for when forty Catholic someone. school. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. There's some things right. that remain consistent. I, I think Archer to the question. It's just the uniqueness of Notre Dame is what makes them obviously so different. Like that's what unique means, obviously. But mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about the national brand. We talk about the independence, and I think that the biggest thing for me is that. The reason for independence for Notre Dame for, for short and long term is that you want to remain as unique as you possibly can for the longest time. The minute that you get kind of pushed into one conference or into one box, you lose a little bit of that thing that makes you special, the thing that makes you different. And I think that that's the biggest sell to Notre Dame is that it's not like any other place. I I, I don't think I've ever heard, talked to a recruit, Brian, that's visited Notre Dame where they're like, oh, that's very similar to this place that I've been to before. Mm-hmm. Like, never heard that, man. It's always yeah. different. Even if they don't love it, it's always different. It's always unique. Yeah. There was uh, – this is a, a Douglas Round Road roundabout. It says Daryl Green at age 40 was still one of the fastest players in the NFL. Here's here's I read this somewhere. On his 50th birthday, I read an article where it literally said – quoted Daryl Green is saying this. On his 50th birthday, he wanted to see how fast he could still run. And so he went out and ran a 40, and he ran a 4-5 flat at 50. That yeah, is insane. He he was his speed, and it was cool because back then, like they had that NFL fastest man stuff. 
Oh, I love that. And it was yeah. like, you know, Herschel Walker who had insane speed and and Rod Woodson and all these guys. And every year, Daryl Green would just smoke all of them. There's one I watched. Actually, I was bored one night and it was on ESP. It was like on YouTube. I don't know how it came across my feed. And there was one where he like stumbles out of the gate. And some guy's got like elite. This is like a 40 yard sprint, Ryan. And he just, whoop, I mean, just like, good gosh, he was insane. nuts. Did you ever see the well, I, punt return touchdown he had against the Bears where he's holding his he's holding his rib cage the whole time? He had pulled a muscle in yes, his stomach. Yes. And he's like yes, and he still gets there. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was nuts. He was oh, such man. a good player. I, I I think I told this before, but my high school head coach also uh tried out for the Redskins back in the day. He played at NC State. Mm-hmm. And uh so he had gone to camp at the Redskins and he they used to do 40 yard dash times at the end of practice. And he had to run against Daryl Green. And my coach said that he ran 4-3-8 coming out of college. 4-3-8. He was like, Daryl Green beat me by four steps in a 40-yard dash. That's insane. What the heck, man? That's insane. That's nuts. What? Like, you beat a guy by four strides that runs 4-3-8 in a 40-yard dash. Like, just think about that, man. That's wild. That is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, that's that's. I wish I, I would that have been fun to be that fast. I have no, I don't, I couldn't even be that fast in a car. All right, let's go with Pete Weber. Pete Weber's what offensive question. In, I'm sorry, I was just, I needed to catch my breath. I'm gonna let you answer. Uh, what offensive and defensive schemes do you think will fit best fit this team's build? Interesting question. And I think defensively, I think they have the defense that's going to fit it best, Pete. I just think it's about accentuating strengths and having easy adjustments off of it. I think 4-2-5 is the spot that I think makes the most sense because I think they finally have the rover body types of like the modern age that you really want, right? The Jalen Sneeds, the Jay Nosberries. Like that's what the rover position is really moving towards. And I love the fact that they are really starting to get those guys. And I think that Notre Dame is – not the biggest defensive line in the world, but what they have is they have length at certain spots. And I think that that's playing a four down with the body types they have. I think it's very, very advantageous if they're an attack style four three, you know, a, a front that is going to be able to one gap and try to create penetration. I think a four three, a four two five, excuse me, attack style front, because I think it's easily adjustable to get into four three looks. I think it's easy adjustable to play nickel looks. I think four two five makes a lot of sense for deep for this defense, and so I I mean I really I really just think that they're running the right scheme. It's about having the proper adjustments off of it, which I don't think the adjustments were as good as it needed to be last season. Yeah, honestly, I have no issue with the schemes that they run. I I haven't I have an issue at times with the implementation of those schemes. I, I like the offensive scheme that they run, uh, especially in twenty twenty one. I don't think the scheme was the problem. I think the blocking was the problem and some of the some of the things they do, how they implement it were the problem. But just the scheme, when I think of scheme, I just think here's your playbook. Here's your general overall scheme. I have no problem with it. The implementation of it, and that's what Ryan's getting at, is the implementation of it is is the issue. Troy McIntosh, real quick, says the last time we had a first round defensive lineman was Ronaldo Wynn. No, actually Jerry Tillery was the last first round offense defensive lineman uh, that Notre Dame had. Now the last first round defensive end was Ronaldo win back in, I think, 98, Ryan. I think he went to the Bengals back Something in 98. Like but, yes, first-round defensive lineman was the 2019 draft. That was with Jerry Tillery. So, yeah. yeah, just wanted to make sure that we got that clear. Christopher Galloway. Here, Ryan, I'll let you go ahead and read this one. Christopher's question, Brian, how is the cornerback position going to look this season? I'm really curious how Jaden Mickey is developing. 
So from actually was talking with someone about this the other day and the staff absolutely loved what Jaden did this spring. So he took full advantage of Cam Hart being out. And that was the thing that, that he had, a he got a ton of reps this spring playing to the field because Cam was out and took full advantage. So from what I'm told, Notre Dame's going into the season, very confident in their top three corners, very confident. Now they're, they like what Chance Tucker did this spring, so they're hoping he can kind of keep pushing this summer and fall. So they have a legitimate like two-man rotation on both sides, but very happy with what Jaden did. And a big part of it was just the consistency, Ryan. That was the big thing with Jaden is like, you know, he'll have three, four good reps and then just get smoked, you know, and it was just because yeah. he'll overplay it or, you know, just some of those freshman mistakes or two. He had, he had two big problems last year. One, he's way too aggressive. And number two, he was a freshman. And he would make those freshman consistency mistakes. Well, he's cleaned up a lot of those because, A, he's got more time in the system now. And he learned from some of those mistakes. And then, B, you know, Coach Mickens has worked really hard to get him to be more patient. Like, there's a time and a place to drive on a route. But you better make sure he's really running that route. You know, this that little stick nod, that's, that shouldn't be enough to get you to drive downhill like you're trying to get a pick six, right? I mean, you know, it, it's just about you know playing smarter and and those type of things, which you can get away with in high school. And it's something we talked about when they signed him. Is like he's gonna have some issues here if he's gonna have to play a little bit, you know, be a little bit less aggressive in some of these situations. And he learned from it because that's the best way yeah. to learn, right? Is to go out there and see it and be like, remember that practice we saw in fall camp where or spring ball where Braden Lindsay is beat by 15 yards because he just gave him a little yeah. move. And if you bite on Braden Lindsay, you're toast. I mean, you have no chance. And that's exactly what happened. And what I loved about that rep is Brayden Lindsey catches the ball and scores a touchdown, and Jaden's still talking to him. He's still talking trash to him, and this is like this kid is this kid's wild. So yes. they're very high on what Jaden has done this offseason. Very high. So good, good, good question there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.